Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC of Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Um, we are here today to continue our study, our, I shouldn't say study, we're just kind of walking through some of the uh, findings of this uh, study called the um, State of Theology, um, where we've been looking at some of the uh, issues or questions um, that have popped up um, as we've talked about what people believe in in our country, uh, what evangelical Christians believe, but also what just U.S. adults believe as well. Um, this week, we are going to be walking through and talking about the question, can I choose my gender identity? This is a, a really big deal. Uh, today, um, in our society, obviously, um, we see this uh, going around, and and actually, uh, whenever whenever asked, uh, this was a statement that was uh, a statement uh, that was put forth by the State of Theology uh, Research uh, Group, and uh, they said this: gender identity is a matter of choice. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Gender identity is a matter of choice. Well, U.S. adults. 42% agree that gender identity is a matter of choice. And one of the things they say as part of this uh, study is, despite scripture's uh, teaching on God's will for human identity and sexual ethics, U.S. adults increasingly affirm the right, quote, quote, of an individual to choose his or her gender I own gender identity despite one's biological sex. The surveys from 2016 to 2020 showed this view holding steady, but the 2022 survey reveals that it is gaining traction. Okay, um, I'll be honest. One of the things that's intimidating about talking about this topic is the, I think, honestly, continually uh, changing definitions, terminology, um, because whenever you enter into this uh this area and with this whole question of gender identity, I wonder how many people, I mean, I'll be honest, like I myself don't know. I mean, I've, I've found some, you know, a thing here from the world health organization about well, how they understand uh, gender and the concept of gender. Um, because I think this is something I think that is very important is how does someone define gender? Um, and Scott here of all of us here is our resident expert <laughs> on this issue because he has taught I have a degree in gender studies. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I didn't realize that. Oh. Scott taught a. Uh, I, the, I don't really. Just to make but it I mean, very clear. But that should show you, like, it, I, I mean, if Scott is the expert uh, in our. No, but really, because you, you led a thing through progressive Christianity yeah. um, with the youth. And we had a podcast series through that as well. And this is a really big question um, relating. Uh, to this. So first of all, Scott, um, gender is a distinct term from sex, correct? Correct. Um, what is the difference, at least from your reading, the difference? And I think some people might be surprised to know that, Yeah, that they don't think about those things as being distinct. But yeah. in this world, <laughs> in this yeah. conversation, yeah. to many people in the outside the church, these two concepts, gender and sex, are, they don't equal the same thing. They're not synonyms. Yeah. No, not to our world. So um, I'm actually going to read this from a book 
that I got at a conference a couple years ago called Gender Ideology, What Do Christians Need to Know, written by Sharon James. Mm. It's kind of like an introduction to some of these things. Mm. You can kind of tell that her uh, book is kind of a surface level of a book like what Carl Truman wrote Mm. of the rise and uh, triumph of the modern self, which is very scholarly, difficult Mm -hmm. to read. This book is like just over a hundred pages long, but she, she goes through just to kind of clarify for readers that aren't like you aren't familiar Mm -hmm. with the language, but she's, she identifies four different, um, different aspects of this, of where we would generally, uh, and historically would link one's gender to one's sex is just a different way of describing the same thing. That's not how the modern world thinks. So they would define sex as having to do with the body, as um, your body parts, your chromosomes, um, things like um, all of that that is objective and doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you have gender identity. So this is gender. A person's gender is also synonymous with their gender identity, is defined as having to do with one's sense of self, who you are in your head, how you feel yourself to be. Mm. Um, and so it's it's how you identify. It's how you think of yourself. It's not an objective reality. Mm. It's, it's subjective. And then there's also gender expression, which is how you present yourself to others. It has to do with your clothing, your behavior, your actions, and your ways of speaking. Uh, but then there's also, uh, she just at this part of the book talks about attraction. This has to do with who you are romantically or physically or sexually attracted to. Mm. And they can't see this, but there's actually like this little like little drawing mm-hmm. of a person of mm-hmm. like sex actually has to do with like your genitalia. Like right. that's where that's that's the area on the mm-hmm. person where Correct. that's identified. Attraction is the heart and then identity is in the brain. The mind is how they're thinking about that. And then expression is the whole body. How do you present yourself? Mm-hmm. And all of those things, like what that means is you could be, um, your sex could be male, your gender identity could be female, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. your present your um, sec- your gender expression could be male. Right. It, it it they're not necessarily connected. Correct. In a hard and fast way, but that's yeah. The the main difference that a lot of times Christians don't get is that to the world, gender and sex are not the same thing. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've got here from the World Health Organization, um, which has a, a thing, if you type in gender and health from them, they they say this, gender refers to the characteristics of women, men, girls, and boys that are socially constructed. This includes norms, behaviors, and roles associated with being a woman, man, girl, or boy, as well as relationships with each other. As a social construct, gender varies from society to society and can change over time. They also point out that gender is hierarchical, hmm. which is an interesting. Uh, you can kind of already see where they're. Um, and the, notice the, the the key the the words are very the, very important. Gender is hierarchical and produces inequalities that intersect with other social and economic inequalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so automatically, and, and they eventually said this, eventually this refers to intersectionality, um, which is uh, the idea of, of all these differing areas and components that make who you are as uh, with your gender, your location, uh, all these different things uh, 
determine how um, where you fit in the so-called hierarchical scale, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so sex refers to your chromosomes, your uh, reproductive organs, uh, your biology, your physiology. Yep. Gender refers to the roles, uh, uh, functions, behaviors yeah. that you assume yeah. within that. Which that that explains why there's the LGBTQ plus IA now, yeah, right? IA yeah. plus whatever. That's why there's so many different ones because. Those things are all referring to your gender identity, mm. not to your sex. Right. And if gender identity is a social construct, if you're able to think about it and basically define it as you want to define it, that essentially means there has to be a plus mm. because there's an infinite number of ways that oh, anybody yeah. would choose to define themselves. Correct. And to identify themselves. That's, I mean, that's, I'm just trying to explain and make sure yes. people, because very often people will just look at that and say, that's ridiculous. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's why. Maybe you can like have a sense of understanding why people are thinking like that. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's because they're not defining gender in a concrete reality. Mm-hmm. It's a social construct. Yeah. It's something imposed by your environment. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so let's ask this question. Does, according to scripture, however, is there, um, would we say that gender, I mean, Okay, so let's throw out the let's let's say there is a sense in which um, each culture might have uh, correct or wrong understandings of what makes a woman a woman or a man a man. There's some, I guess that can vary somewhat, but substantially, I don't think that's true. As far as um, cultures across world history have understood a very basic understanding of what makes a man a man and and what makes a woman a woman mm-hmm. now, there may be okay some some small differences in what positions of authority maybe somebody can hold or whatever okay there's probably that discussion could happen and be one we could have but the bible does the bible allow us to say that i can choose my Gender, or is there a not a socially constructed understanding, but a biblically constructed understanding of what makes me a man, or what makes me a woman, or a boy, or a girl? What do you guys think about that? I mean, this is it's challenging in the sense, like you you were saying, Spencer, when we first started, like the this this whole like the plus this this everything is changing like even what you guys are talking about i'm like I, man i'm a little bit behind the, <laughs> the, the ball here because i didn't realize that you know but um but i'm doing my class on genesis chapter one through three and we're now in the we're we're the sixth day in the chapter two where god has has created adam and it's interesting because the hebrew is very clear when it says that god created adam adam the hebrew word Mm. which the word dem in hebrew or dem means blood and he creates him from the adama the ground you know literally the ground and then he breathes nephesh is the word he breathes life into him and he becomes a living being Mm. and the living being is that that you know that imprint of god like of of okay he's a masculine he's he's masculine he has the his body as masculine his you know his dna all that and then god creates obviously eve right Um, and so there's that uh ish male and isha Mm -hmm. female and so it's very clear in scripture that that it's it's not negotiable. It's not up for for human you know, society or anybody society you know psychology and uh, anybody to change 
the definitions definitions or the terminology mm-hmm. and, and kind of the semantics of if you will but that's what's happening in our culture right. it's constantly changing oh we have to make room for this this plus <laughs> this person who doesn't mm-hmm. identify mm-hmm. you know and that's that tells us how far we've come you know with from in relativism and postmodernism and mm-hmm. existentialism and all the isms <laughs> that are well, there. well and also god made adam mm-hmm. a biological male yes and come and and being a part of that brought about a whole understanding of manness that corresponds with and is inseparable from being a biological male yes. correct and similarly being a husband is is inseparable from being a biological male mm-hmm. and that is what you see in scripture right who god made me biologically is inseparable yep. from the roles and the responsibilities that the word of god gives me mm-hmm. as a man as a woman as a boy as a girl, um, there are definite, um, well, for all of the, um, because that'll be one of the things that will always be brought up. Well, there's this culture over here and that culture over here, and they do something a little different. Right. But the reality is the differences pale yeah. compared to the, the worldwide yeah. historical substantial agreement in the history of the human race yes. of what makes a man a man and a woman a woman and, and, yes. and all of those things. And just to play devil's advocate, because I feel like if we were to say that to someone who would be like maybe the gender studies sure. professor, sure. their response to that would be, yes, that is the mm-hmm. way the world has worked because the world has historically been a controlling demeaning patriarchy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is where we're at in the world this is a sign of progression yeah, in the world mm-hmm. yeah. that we're not a patriarchy that is um is is shoving people down over here but this is this is part of mm. freeing them from that patriarchy so yeah so they would say like the social construct this is a uh, it was all is, designed to oppress exactly women. it was designed yes. to oppress people yeah. who have a different biology yeah. in order to keep them down under other people with different biologies yeah uh, so these roles were, were just made up yeah correct yep. is that kind of this is just a system you made up so that you can get on top of the power struggle well this is this is part of when they're taught they're taught in this book that i was referencing they're talking about where gender theory which all this is part of gender theory yeah where it all came from and you get to a point where she says once you've abolished truth Mm. so dave mentioned this about like relativism Mm -hmm. and getting rid of absolute truths once you've abolished truth you're left in a society where value and worth are assigned to people on the basis of their place in a hierarchy of power Mm. and so what that then means is if you are occupying one of those lowest places and throughout history that's been seen as being a woman mm-hmm. in this kind of framework, sure. then you have to find a way to break that hierarchy mm-hmm. of power. Mm-hmm. And if the way to break that is separating your sex from your gender and becoming one of the opposite uh, to, to then gain power, that, that's how you do mm. it. That's, the, that's some of the motivation for doing it. Um, yeah, it's the goal is to set people free. That is what this, this message I'm saying that is the, the, the intent I would suppose of this message that yes, I can choose my, my gender identity. It, the actual, they're thinking they're proclaiming freedom to what they see as captives. Correct. Yeah. 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 It's a very reactive movement reactive to 
you know, the, the, the standard or, you know, even, you know, you've heard about within our day and age, you know, of emerging culture, rewriting history. It's a very reactive, mm. like, oh, this is how things were done. So let's, let's destroy all these statues. There's Christopher mm. Columbus. Let's destroy the statue. It's a very reactive. And yeah. I think this whole movement is very reactive to what you said, Scott, yeah. oppression, hierarchism, patriotism, all yeah. that stuff. What you see, at least in in terms of our world, the countries who are grabbing onto this and running with it. I mean, this is going to be a very incendiary comment to, to some people, but Ooh, good word, incendiary. The, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the only people who, who are, have time to think about this and to develop these ideas are honestly people in, in societies who are bored <laughs> and have nothing else to do and nothing else to think about. Right. Because P- if, if P- you you're look, saying, you're saying people in Kenya, Christians in Kenya are not sitting around and, and, uh, Not even Christians, normal people, <laughs> yeah, non-Christians. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's, yeah. Like, you think about, I mean, the only yes. place where you see this as popular and prevalent and honestly makes sense to people yeah. are in societies that are developed nations. Yep. But if you go to a third world country and you start trying to talk to them about this and tell them, hey, you're a man, but you can be a woman, or tell the women that are part of that tribe in Africa, yeah. you can be a man— they're going to look at you and think you're a moron. Right. <laughs> they don't have time to think about stuff like this Correct. because they recognize in order for our society to work, mm-hmm. I have to have children and I have to be a father and I have to provide for my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're worried about survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you when your society is at a place where you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. rearing a family for the sake of your life mm-hmm. and surviving, that's when you have time to think mm-hmm. about stuff like this. Right. If you go to a place in the world where life is much more simple, all of a sudden gender gets really simple again. Because mm-hmm. exactly. one of the things, and correct me, Scott, if I'm wrong, but like the idea is, is that what happens here in this social construct is you've been assigned a gender at birth, in yeah. a sense. And that's where you get some people that are saying, um, we need to either... Uh, somehow neutralize gender for biological boys or girls, right? And so they, they attempt by clothing or by how they treat them to neutralize that so that they can theoretically choose for themselves mm-hmm. the uh, roles, responsibilities, behaviors, norms for themselves. Mm-hmm. At the core of this is, um, is and, and this is why I think it's the biblical understanding of creation is so important. Things are what they are because God says they are what they are. This was a big deal. I've got, I got this thing from, uh, 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 from Martin Luther. Carl Truman has this book on Luther. But one of the things he says this um, in uh, his book here about what Luther was talking about, what the word is. Um, he says, uh, a thing is what it is because God says it is this thing and not another but this thing exists only because God has first spoken it into existence. Mm. Luther saw the Bible as teaching that there could be a reality external to God only if God chose to speak such a reality. Thus, material reality exists external to God because God has chosen to speak it. So whenever we read the Bible, the historic, the, the creation, and God says, let there be light, light appears because God spoke it. And so a thing is what it is. Because God, def- so what, what happens is God defines who we are. Yeah, that's right. We don't mm-hmm. get to define who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is an attempt at, is to make us, to recreate ourselves in our, 
whatever image we want to make mm-hmm. instead of accepting God's definition yep. of who we are as a man, as a woman, uh, with all of the responsibilities and the callings that are appropriate to being a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. And so that is that is why the biblical account of creation is so important because God's word determines who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't get to decide that. Mm-hmm. And that's why the enlightenment the enlightenment movement was so catastrophic in culture, you know, in the, I mean this is 1700s is a long time ago, but basically dethroning God mm-hmm. and putting man on the throne. We are the enlightened ones, which then led into the industrial revolution, which then led into modernism. Postmodernism, yeah. et cetera. And so we're, we're on the heels of that, further along, actually. You know? and, uh, and so it's interesting because it's, de- it's basically a redefining, mm. re-sculpting, or reshaping a, a narrative that is not biblical. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, what, that's what really happens here is um, you see where Paul uh, talks about in Romans 1, um, claiming to be wise, they became mm. fools. Mm. We have thought of our own wisdom uh, and trying to set ourselves free from these chains of sin. But actually, all we've done is actually make our chains stronger. And we have to come back to God's word of, of, uh, first of all, defining who we are, accept God's word that we are sinners, and then receive his forgiving word and his power that he can remake us. And let's talk about this real quick, because... When we say all this, we're not saying that um, there are there are individuals. We're not denying the struggle for certain individuals um, that have um, maybe you know that maybe struggle with homosexual desires. Um, they might have uh, identity um, issues or or what uh, struggles, whatever. Mm -hmm. We're not denying that those struggles don't exist, Mm -hmm. but we are saying, but God's word addresses those Mm -hmm. and you need to come back to God's definitions and God's power to change you and to forgive you and to cleanse you. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of, uh, I forgot who said this, so I can't credit them, but it's definitely not with me. Uh, you might've even said this, uh, before Spencer. So you might know where, where you've gotten it from is we used we've shifted the way we think about the relationship between the body and the mind mm. that we used to think that if our mind told us something that our body was not mm. if our mind and our body didn't line up then what we needed to fix was our mind right because your body is real yeah you can't change what your body is right but this whole new idea mm. of what's going on what we're talking about has totally swapped that to say that if your body and your mind don't match up, then the problem is your body. Yeah. Which that gets into the transgender mm-hmm. side of this, yeah, right. of changing your body. And to people who have bought into this mindset, that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. It makes complete sense because that has to do with your sexual expression or your gender expression. Mm-hmm. How do you want to present your body? And it's mm-hmm. just completely not a God made us mind and body mm-hmm. and the there can be things broken with your mind mm-hmm. uh, and there can be desires that exist in your mind but if you're confused about what gender you are then just look at your body mm-hmm. and it'll tell you there are cases where that can be messed up you know sure. um, of of that but those are very few and those are the exception 
Um, and you know, hard conversations might need to happen in that, but for the most part, that's, that's what's happened is we're saying, no, your mind is right. Thinking whatever you want to think about yourself is okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of what you've been talking about where, no, we need to think of ourselves what God tells us to think of ourselves. Yeah. And I, I, it's a really good, that's a really good point you made. And I, I've heard stories and it's heartbreaking because, you know, especially with young people growing up in our culture today, you know, that, that don't fit in to certain subcultural groups, you know, whether it's uh, jocks, you know, or, you know, I don't know, whatever, music skaters, whatever. And, and yet they and they feel like they're kind of on the outskirts and they're trying to figure out, you know, where do I belong? That, I mean, belonging is powerful. And then they meet someone that's like, Hey, we're part of this community. Right. You know, maybe you could be a part of our community and you could become, mm-hmm. you know, you could, you know, become gay and do all this stuff and whatever. And they, they're so, you know, we're made in God's image to belong. That's why it's not good for man to be alone, as God said in Genesis. And until so there's this pull. And so the mind and the body are in conflict. It's like, wait a second, these people are accepting me. These are, these people are not. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm like them. And their mind begins to change. And of course, the enemy uses that to pull these young people in, not not just young people, anybody in. And next thing I know, they're acting in a way that's like their peer group or their their sense of their belonging group. Right. And I think that's happening a lot. Yeah. This goes right with that. So I want to read this from this book because Mm -hmm. people uh, need to see it. This is from that book, Gender Ideology. It says, In recent years, a growing number of adolescents who have not previously demonstrated gender nonconformity have been experiencing rapid-onset gender dysphoria. This seems mostly, but not always, to occur among girls. Mm. It's very prevalent among girls. This sometimes seems to come from nowhere, and parents are bewildered. The first major study of this was conducted by Lisa Littman, and her findings were published in 2018. There was intense controversy, and she was challenged. But in March 2019, the study was republished, with the methods and findings having remained mostly unchanged. Littman found that adolescents experiencing rapid-onset gender dysphoria tended to either belong to a group of friends in which multiple or even all members became transgender-identified around the same time, or that they were immersed in social media or both. Mm. She described this as a social contagion. A peer group, either real or virtual, fosters the mutual belief that anxiety and unhappiness may be caused by being transgender and that gender transition will provide the solution. Mm. And so it's, it is mm. extremely, especially among young girls, all the research points, there's more research than that, points to this idea of, not being the right gender mm. is could be described as a social contagion. Mm. It's and so it, it comes down to mm. friend groups and social media. It's almost like it's a social construct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I yeah. mean that's the ironic thing about this is uh yeah, it actually spreads um because of that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's being placed upon people um uh, uh like that. I think this this discussion is really important. I think because uh, we talked about, um, and we don't have to go too much longer with this. Because the reality is, is this is a huge discussion um, that um, I think we have to be aware of um, and know about. Um, it should, I think, make us really dive into creation, understanding the doctrine of creation, who we are. But also, I think it's a it's a thing too because this this didn't just come out of nowhere. 
And like Scott, where you talked about the, the body soul dichotomy, um, that, that seems to happen where people will say, well, who I really am is who I am inside. And my body, uh, is a prison almost that I have to change somehow. And we, the reason why this is, uh, the reason why this this stuff, the what we're, what we're talking about today, the reason why it flies is because we've accepted that in other areas of our life, even before getting to the whole discussion of gender. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I'll say this, and this is going to sound maybe really bad, but I was watching, um, oh, it was actually on PBS. And one of the things they, they say is this, and this is something we've we've grown up with. You can be anything you want to be. Now, I get that. That can be taken in a very good sense that, you know, if you work hard, you know, see what happens. You might be able. But there's also, on the other hand, this idea that we have maybe subliminally put into all of our minds that I get to choose my whole reality instead of accepting what God has put upon me and my callings and my life, you know, um, and so some kids are just, God just has not given them the body to be an NBA player. They're five foot 11 and they can't jump. Um, and that's okay, you know, um, but God made them that way and accepting who God made me. Um, and sometimes I think we've pressed so much the other way that you can be anything you want to be yeah. to where we've, we've almost taken that to where now I create my whole reality. I am in control. I am the master of my whole fate. Mm-hmm. And, and, but people don't want to hear about the idea that, uh, God is actually the one who assigns me things. And there's actually great joy mm-hmm. in being content with who God has made me and what yeah. he's given me to do. Yeah. There's actually great joy. That's an, that's actually kind of an Ecclesiastes mentality, but that's not a popular mentality mm-hmm. no. um, to accept. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Well, if there's nothing else, I think we can wrap up here. I would just encourage parents as they're thinking about this because their kids are exposed to this. Yep. Whether you think they are or not. And the reason I think like that quote I read says it seems to come from nowhere is because your child's been exposed to it for a long time, mm-hmm. probably on social media. And the people that they follow are the right. things that they see. And I would just encourage parents. I mean, I'm not going to say you shouldn't let your kid use social media or you shouldn't let them play video games or you shouldn't let them watch TV or things like that. But you do need to be careful that your child is not living their life in a fantasy land because that's kind of what happens. They try to make the fantasy the reality. You just need to make sure your kids are living in the real world. Um, and that just parents need to know what their kids are seeing. Yeah, this is the air we breathe now. Yeah, mm-hmm. this yep. is this is where we're at. Yep. You just have to be aware of that. And I think there's, um, yeah, probably you're right. Some parents would probably be shocked to realize actually how much this is the air we breathe, and especially mm-hmm. for your children, mm-hmm. um, whether it be watching on television. Even I mean, like social media is a big one, but yeah, television or books or going to the store. I mean, I, the message is always subliminally being sent there's, to you. There's this is. This is worth saying because it's coming up. There's an event that we as a church were asked to host here. Mm. Uh, what was it called? Oh, if, if Tim was here, he would know. Change. Oh, challenge, challenge Day. Challenge Day. Challenge Day. Yeah. We were asked to, to host that 
for a local school around here. And initially it seemed like a good thing where kids are just, were just challenged to be open about things that they were struggling with and dealing with. And that's fine. You want kids to be able to open up about challenges and struggles, but looking at some of the other challenge days that were video recorded and things, a a lot of the challenge that was coming out of the closet was Mm. coming out with your struggles, but it's encouraged. Yes. It's, Mm. it's, um, it's praised. Yep. It's, um, and then it's even, it even, there's a line. It's not enough to simply accept it, that mm-hmm. some people are this way. To affirm. It, you have to affirm, but then it even goes further. Mm-hmm. Like in this book, I can't find the page real fast, but the end goal and where everyone should be is that it is nurtured. Mm-hmm. If it's right and if it's good, right. it should be nurtured, right. which means it should be encouraged. And so it's not just, you know, like we say social media, we say TV, it's being nurtured. Mm-hmm. In through various institutions, like this is a school event. Yeah. Every child gets out of school to go to this event where they will probably hear somebody say something about their sexual orientation mm-hmm. and it will be nurtured mm-hmm. and encouraged. Yep. That sends a huge message to yeah. your kids, especially yeah. if they're struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just got to be aware of it and, uh, and, uh, understand what it is uh, at to some level the reality is is it's always changing though too um it's it's always always in in flux all right well thanks for guys for talking about that i hope this has been helpful to you and uh hopefully maybe if you have any questions about this none of us are experts um but maybe like scott's got this book here that might be a really helpful resource for you if you're interested in learning more um and i'm sure we could point you to other resources um, as well. If you have questions about this or how do we as Christians reflect and, and think upon these issues, uh, important issues for us in our day and time. So, well, thank you guys for listening. Take care and God bless.